Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And so just considering other people first instead of ourselves, that's a, that's a huge deal. He's really been teaching me that a lot in marriage, that it's not about me. And, you know, with, with every relationship I have in my wife, in, in my life, how am I, how am I building into others? How am I building the things that Jesus has taught me and the truths that I know to be true? How am I living that out in the lives of others? And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 27th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Course, alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb. We are so honored and so blessed to have you today with our conversation with Super Bowl champion Justin Hartwig. Justin played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and a few other teams, and you're going to love this conversation. He not only won a Super Bowl, but he has a powerful, powerful testimony. And if you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. And I highly recommend to you, if you have pen and paper, just to write some thoughts that Justin says today, do it. He has a powerful testimony. He has some powerful things that he's going to share with you today. And if you're also new, we're also a podcast that is based out of Buffalo, New York, and we're so honored and so blessed to have you all today. This podcast is stretching not only from Buffalo, New York, but across the country and across the world. Yes, across the world. We have listeners in Australia and Canada now. So, so cool. So blessed to be on this journey of the sweat room. And just as a reminder to subscribe, rate and review the podcast, and maybe share with a friend. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Justin Hartwig. We want to welcome to the sweat room for former offensive lineman, Justin Hartwig. Justin, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. It's great to be here with you guys. Yeah, so for our listeners, you guys are missing just this amazing beard that he has. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely have to snag some, some a picture of that. But Justin, I would love for our listeners just a quick maybe two to three minute summary of yourself. Who are you and what, what is your sports career? What does life look like for you now? Uh, that's, that's a, that's a big question, but, uh, for, for two to three minutes, but I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. I, uh, so I'm, I'm definitely best known for winning a uh, Bowl, and that kind of sticks with me to this day. So, uh, you know, it's cool. God's given me this platform. I live in the greater Pittsburgh area now. Uh, he's given me a platform to just share my faith and what he's done in and through my life. And, uh, uh, big picture. I, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, and um, I was a, I grew up in a middle-class family, and uh, yeah, just, I guess when I was young, I was always interested in sports. Sports was kind of everything to me, and uh, you know, we, we were a church-going family uh, kind of off and on when I was growing up, but the, the Word of God just never really stuck with me, but, uh, but sports did, and so... I was a kid in high school, started making a lot of goals. It, it was a practical tool that really helped me in life that uh, my dad taught me. Mm-hmm. And really through goal setting and just sticking to it, I uh, just kept getting better every year of my, of my career and uh, ended up earning myself a scholarship to the University of Kansas uh, where I played offensive tackle and was drafted in the sixth round to go play with the Tennessee Titans. They moved me to guard uh, my first year, and then I earned, got a great opportunity, moved to center my second year, and uh, seized hold of the starting center job. 
And uh, from there, went on to start three straight years. My, my quarterback in Tennessee was Steve McNair, who won the NFL MVP in 2003. Wow. <clears throat> so I'm sure you've got a little bit to do with that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just a little bit. <laughs> Not too much, though. But, yeah, I ended up uh, signing a contract with Carolina. I was there for a couple years, uh, had a tough injury. Ended up going to Pittsburgh for three years and obviously won, won the big one. And then since then, I retired at the age of 31. And I guess it's been about 10 years now. Time's flown. I've got a 10-year-old daughter who's, who's a big part of my testimony. Mm. And I'm also, I got married almost four years ago. I've got a, a stepdaughter, per se, who's 18. And wow. so... I'm living north of the Pittsburgh area and, and just really enjoying life here. And uh, it's kind of nice. They say spice is the variety of life. So I've been doing a lot of different things uh, with my time, but I, I don't have one set path just except following wherever God's leading me and speaking into people's lives. And for our listeners, what years were you in the NFL and what Super Bowl did you win? And who was it? I was in the NFL from 2002 till 2010. And we won Super Bowl 43, if you guys can remember. Actually, 10 years ago, you guys, uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't remember that now. But yeah. uh, it was Super Bowl 43 versus Arizona. We played down in Tampa, and it was one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. I think we won 27 to 24, and it yeah, was just filled, that was filled with drama. <laughs> Thanks to me, I had, a, I had a, a crucial part in that game. Uh, with the drama, I I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I actually got called for a, a, a holding call in the end zone, which resulted in a safety in the fourth quarter of the game. And no way! Yeah, it uh, it changed the the tide and momentum of the game. So oh, I'm sure we'd be having a different conversation today. It might be a little bit different if you guys didn't end up winning. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and that and that's part of. Uh, I wasn't a I wasn't a believer per se uh, when I was playing in that game at that specific moment in time, and uh, yeah, they they probably would have ran me out of town. I would have been crushed. My life would have been over. <laughs> and, you know that would have been that would have been a tough one to bounce back from. If because I remember when it happened, I was told after the fact that NBC, who was broadcasting the game, was trying to frame me as the goat of the game like the guy who lost the game they kept like panning over to do reaction shots of me oh, like man. even after the even after the call so I will never forget that Super Bowl like there's I, I for I because Bjorn and I were we're 24 year old 24 years old as we shoot this mm -hmm. so we were about 14 we were probably going to eighth grade freshman year of high school mm -hmm. and there's two things I remember from that. Not, not only was Kurt Warner the quarterback of the Cardinals, James Harrison picked off Kurt Warner and went 99 yards. Is that correct? Or is it like oh, yeah, yards? it was. That had to be the greatest play in Super Bowl history. I don't know. There's, it was there's probably that was amazing. Lot. I was that like, was, look at this big man go. <laughs> it was he willed himself into the end zone. That guy was the defensive player of the year in the NFL that year. And nobody could block him. It was crazy how it was crazy how many holding calls that weren't called against him, because he was just beating all these offensive tackles around the edge. He had a rare combination of power and speed and just mm -hmm. hustle. The guy was a maniac, <laughs> and 
The guy's yeah. still a maniac, like ten years later. So <laughs> yeah, if you get to, if you get to know James, you know he's a, a really really good-hearted guy. I really like James Harrison, and he has but massive biceps. Him, he puts <laughs> off that vibe like "Don't mess with me," and yeah. he's not playing. And I love that about him. <laughs> it, really, it really amuses me, honestly. <laughs> so where where were you? Could you see? So to give all the. I won't go too much into the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl game, but here's yeah. the other thing I remember from that is Larry Fitzgerald came back, scores a touchdown, then you guys are coming down within the last few minutes of the game. Where were you when Santonio San Holmes caught that end zone? Could you see that catch? I couldn't see it. Um, I was I was on the field, but I was. Uh, I think I fell down on the play, and I looked up, and everybody was going nuts, and I was like. What happened? What happened? And then they had called touchdown, but then they were they they were going to be replaying the, or reviewing the call, and it was just sheer panic by me. Like, oh man, I, oh, I just man. hope he I just hope he got in because I knew we only had one more chance. That was third down, so I I, I knew we had we would have one more chance to at least get a first down. But man, talk about relief when he scored. Sure. Just relief and elation. Yeah. So, Justin, out of my curiosity, I've never, I've never played football myself. I know Noah's played some <laughs> in his time. But for you, you mentioned, like, oh, you were knocked down on the play. You didn't really know what happened. Like, does that happen often for you, like, as an offensive lineman? Like, you know, maybe you get, like, you know, get knocked down or get mixed up. And then you're like, wait, what just happened on that play? Like, does that happen often? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so there's lots of times where you're walking back to the huddle and you ask the guy next to you, what, what happened? Or, you know, because <laughs> yeah, when you're an, a lineman, you're just, you're so focused on the fight and the guys that are trying to either get the quarterback or the ball carrier mm. that you're just, you're in the mix of mix of everything. So it's not like a bird's eye view where you get to see the bigger play develop. Sure. And then, and then, uh, so technology has changed since I played, but when I came into the league, because now they have tablets and stuff to review plays on the sideline. Right. But when I was playing, what they would do is they had a camera up in the stadium and they would take a snapshot, like a picture of the, the pre-snap alignment. And then they would take another picture a second into the play. So when wow. we would go back to the sideline, each play would have two pictures, the pre-snap and a second end of the play, and you would review that to see what happened, and you would talk over everything. So <clears throat> it's really a, a big chess match as an offensive lineman especially because you're five guys, and a lot of times you have six guys, depending upon if a tight end or a running back is blocking. So you have to know what your weapons are in, in your bag and – what the defense is going to throw at you and you have to it's it's a chess match so you have to like block everybody up and be on the same page and so really the center is kind of a, a field general in a sense that we have to put a body on a body and and block people up and you're the guy that has to communicate to everybody how we're going to get it done and it all goes down very quickly so I have I have a harder time making really simple decisions in life than I do when the bullets are flying. So mm. I'm much better on the football field at making decisions. Yeah, give give you some adrenaline, you can make a decision. <laughs> I love That's it. Right. So, right. Justin, 
how did your life change? What was it like after winning the Super Bowl? And then to follow that up, when did you come to know Jesus? As you've mentioned, you weren't really a Christ follower when you were in the league. So how did that come about? Yeah, so I guess from the the time I was a kid, I had I had heard the gospel of Christ, but was uh, never really committed uh, in in my heart. There was never really a, a heart change that took place for me when I was young. And it wasn't until after the Super Bowl. But I guess leading up to that, because I was not trained in righteousness, so they would say I wasn't I wasn't brought up to live out a faith or, or know what it means. Mm. I just I was kind of a guy that just kind of went by the seat of my pants and and I always felt like I knew that there was something that was like missing in my life. Is one way to put it. I just I always knew that there was something more, but uh, when I went off into the world, when I went off into college, when I went off into the pros, it was kind of like I would just kind of follow the crowd, do what everybody else is doing. Uh, you know, just I was kind of engrossed in in sin without even realizing it. I would say nobody would ever. Well, most people that I know would probably not say, man, he was a bad guy. In retrospect, I was just, I was led astray and, you know, would say yes to things and try different things. So when you get into the NFL, by the time you get to the NFL, it is, it is a really fast paced life. It is, it's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> and, uh, cause <clears throat> you've got all these things at your fingertips. You've got, you've got money and, and fame and, attention and privilege Hmm. so there's all these things and so so I went went down a lot of different paths dug into a lot of things and it and it wasn't until kind of my life my life um kind of those things those all those things failed me um it it wasn't until really after the Super Bowl I, I reached that pinnacle that pinnacle of worldly success and couple that with some things going on in my personal life where uh, I just kind of bottomed out, and that and that's really where God met me. Mm. <clears throat> so, yeah. So just just to further that more, um, I, uh, I I always knew that I was that I was longing for something, and really, football became my idol. It was what I did. It was where I got my sense of satisfaction. It was kind of a performance-based thing. You know, my my sense of self-worth uh, really rose and fell with with football, and and I was caught up in this performance mindset. I was trying to earn my way into feeling good about myself or feeling trying to find some sort of constant state of happiness that always just seemed to elude me. I didn't really have any peace. And I just kind of uh, had a lot of anxiety in my life. Didn't really know who I was as a man or who I believed in. And those are big things as you got into the world, because the world will chew you up and spit you out. You know, the world doesn't care about you. Mm. But when I after we won the Super Bowl, it was kind of the, the peak of my peak of my, my professional career. And it was a just a really 
awesome, exciting moment. Um, I was really happy in the moment after winning the Super Bowl. It was the culmination of of my life's work. But after that, I felt kind of into a, a kind of a state of like, oh man, what's next? Mm. You know, what what else is left? How and long after that was that for you? Was that like that was a few days? Probably a few months. Wow. A few months after the Super Bowl, I was kind of searching and just kind of feeling empty. And at the same time, I had been uh, dating a girl for probably about five months. And we were, we were together, but at, at the same time, it was a relationship that probably was never going to gain traction as a, as a, you know, as a life partner or marriage. Mm. And so um, we got pregnant. And it was, wow. it was unexpected. And uh, it just kind of overwhelmed me. I was like, I'm not even sure who I am as a man and, and what I stand for in, mm. in, in a deep way, I guess I would say. And now all of a sudden, I've, I've got a child coming into this world. And it was kind of this realization like, okay, in the back of my mind, I always had this white picket fence, nuclear family idea. And that's not, that's probably not in the cards. And so my personal life was in turmoil a little bit the relationship was strained and and uh <clears throat> i just didn't have the answers i didn't have the answers it wasn't something that i could play my way out of or it wasn't something that i could go and uh uh cope with my life by taking drugs or alcohol or or running away and, and, and i had to face this head on as a man and mm. and so <clears throat> i was having really a rough time. And I, I, I remember there was, there was a pastor that I had met at an event the previous year. I don't even remember giving him my phone number, mm. but I got a text message kind of on my lowest day. And this pastor reached out to me. Do you remember the event? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a event for little kids. It was a, a kid's football clinic. Oh, cool. And so he was an inner city youth, uh, minister or pastor and oh, cool. they have uh it's a great ministry in the north side of pittsburgh that they they're there for young kids and and raising them up in the faith and so he he texted me out of the blue and said hey man how's it going and i knew he was a pastor and there's just something inside of me that said you know what i need to be vulnerable right now because my whole life people have looked at me and said you have life figured out because you have it all, right? So nobody really questioned me. Like, hey, how are you really doing? And I had a moment of vulnerability, which is so important as Christian men. I can't tell, tell the listeners that enough to, mm. to be vulnerable uh, with each other because that's, that's where God really works. And I said, I'm not doing so hot. <laughs> and he said, let's get together and talk. And so, so I kind of just laid out all of my stuff on the table when we talked. And he said, look, you know, we all have circumstances going on in our life. But he went on to share the gospel with me. Wow. He shared that I was created by God and, and for God and, and for his purposes. And that he loved me immeasurably, that I, more than I could ever imagine. And uh, he told me about the sacrifice that Christ made for me and, and for all sinners. Um so that we can be justified one day before the father and, um, you know, give us hope and, and a future in this, in this world, in this life. And 
know, I had heard about Jesus before, and Jesus gets watered down in our in our society, but it just really resonated with me in a deep way as we prayed, and I got saved, and it was just overwhelming. And so, um, God, God can change your heart. We have a like a deep longing in our hearts for God, and He can change our hearts. He can change our minds um, and the way we think, and and so. From that point on, it's just been, been you know, life is a new creation. We're, we're a new creation in Christ. And so, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's been a big, it was a big change. But, but over the course of time, it's been, I guess, 10 years now since I came to faith. Like God is just, God doesn't always change your circumstances, but he, he changed, changes the way we think when we're, obedient and we're in the word and and we're seeking him so Mm. um you know he's been so faithful to me as you know i've just been obedient with him i mean i'm i'm still fallen in my flesh but you know my my heart and my desire is to be obedient to god and and just living with the knowledge of who he is and um you know the last the last 10 years since 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 that moment uh i've just god has been god has been with me i know he's got a plan and a purpose for me and he's got his purposes and everything and it's just having peace in that having peace and knowing that he's in total control and it's a huge relief that i'm not in control anymore because Amen. i know where my flesh leads me leads to destruction so yeah no that that's so good justin i love that just you know may not change your circumstances, but he changes that perspective that you have. And man, how freeing is that to really know that eh, I'm not in control. So I don't need to, you know, rely on myself anymore. It's, you know, it's, it's bigger than that. And that, that's so, that's so cool. So Justin, for you, I'm kind of curious, what was, you know, you mentioned that, okay, you know, won a Super Bowl. you know, you have a kid shortly after you get saved shortly after what was that, like next couple years, I want to say, and this, I'm sort of going off script here. So I, I apologize. No, that's good. What, what was good. like the next maybe year or two after that in your, what we would say maybe as early stages of being a new believer um, and really new life circumstances. What were those first early years like? Yeah, that's a good question. It's uh, just figuring things out. Like if your heart is, is good and it's, and it's seeking God, like there's, it was just, it was just figuring out a new way of life. So I'm like, I knew in my heart and in my mind, I'm, I'm a new creation and my motives are now, are now different. And I was able to uh, say no, say no to things that I would normally say, say yes to. Uh, But, but still, actually like going back into the locker room and hanging out with the same guys, it was challenging because Mm. things that I'm used to doing. And and when I say no, you know what guys, my priorities are different. I need to stay home tonight. I need to do what I need to do. Mm. Eventually people are going to say, well, you know, he's, he's being whatever he's, you know, he's this and he's that. And, and you get kind of shunned. So, so, Mm. so people aren't, aren't always going to, uh, appreciate or if if you don't fit into the, to their narrative and, and what they're trying to do, if it's not uh, serving them in the way that they want to be served, then then you're going to face people who aren't going to um, 
embrace you like they used to. So that's, that's just part of it. But I went back into the locker room and certainly I, I had had some downfalls as far as, you know, making bad choices here and there, but my heart, my heart remained steadfast. Mm. And I, I just started making different decisions consistently. Like I started going to chapel with our team, with the Steelers. I remember going to training camp amidst the, the grind of two days and we'd have normally my mornings off would be reserved for sleep, but I would, I would go and have, have worship time. We, we, uh, with our Pittsburgh Steelers chaplain, we'd just go and sing and it was just so uplifting. And you look at the, the team and there's so many guys and, you know, as far as heaven is concerned, um, you know, the vast majority of people in this world are, are not going to be saved. You know, narrow, narrow is the gate. Mm. And, uh, so, so there was a handful of believers that I was definitely, uh, attuned to when I was, when I was playing with the Steelers. Uh, so, so it was good to like glean from those guys, talk to those guys and just share a little bit about myself, but it was kind of intimidating being in a locker room, uh, where by and large, a lot of guys weren't, necessarily following a faith but I, I whereas before there was guys that that I would be like man something's different about him he's living mm-hmm. in a way that's different than me he's able to say no why is he able to say no mm-hmm. so there's so much about making choices and, and being obedient to God and it was a learning curve those first couple of years but what happened after that is is central to my story uh so i played the 2009 season after we won the super bowl i played a whole season my daughter was born that off season and i went into training camp the following year my daughter was about five months old at that time so we go into the 2010 season and i'm the incumbent starting center and we had just drafted marquise pouncey who's still the center for the steelers but they brought him in to play guard And they told me, this is your job. This is your job. The center job is your job. I had just, I literally had just signed a contract extension. I wasn't, I I go to Pittsburgh for a year, sign a contract extension after the first year. They wanted me to be there. And Pouncey came in and he was terrible at at guard. And he would tell you that. And that's so so funny because he's amazing now. Yeah. He's, no, Pouncey's a stud. He's had a great career. Yeah. And then they moved him to center. They said, you know, Pouncey's not doing too well at guard. We want to move him to center. And he was a natural. I'll give it to him. He was a natural at center. And so I became expendable. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me, it was week one of the regular season in 2010. And so I got released. And the day I got released. This was the year after the Super Bowl, correct? This is two years after. Two years after, okay. Yeah, so I started two years for the Steelers. And then my third year that I was supposed to go in and start. So – I had already gone through shoulder surgery, gone through the whole off season, gotten my body right, gone through the preseason. I'm the starting center and they cut me in, in week one. So it's just bad timing, especially as a veteran, because you want to be cut during the off season if you're going to cut. So you have a chance to go somewhere else to get an off season in to maximize your money. Mm. But this is a, this is a bad circumstance. So it was the day after our last preseason game. They called me and we had a day off. They called me and said, we need you to come in. So I knew what that meant. I knew I was going to get cut. 
So I go in and get cut and come home. I was living with my daughter's mother at the time, which um, it was kind of more circumstance than anything. And uh, she, she had been packing her stuff and she was moving out. Mm. And it was, it was kind of one of those days where it was one of those rough days where your life is just kind of crumbling in front of you. But at the same time, like I had total peace about it, that God was in control. It's like, okay, I just got fired and you're moving out. I don't know what's going to happen with my daughter. And um, so that week, so that was rough, but that week I get a call from the Cincinnati Bengals and the short of it is they want me to fly in, do a workout for them. So a few days later, I fly up to Cincinnati. I do a workout in front of their entire offensive staff. They, uh, they offer me a job as their starting center. They say, we want you to come in, uh, next week. Um, uh, and you know, I went home and I prayed about it. It was, uh, it was really tough. I had all this uncertainty at home, uh, personally and with my daughter and my daughter's mother. On the other hand, I had an opportunity to go and play for the Cincinnati Bengals and I prayed about it and I prayed about it. And God gave me this overwhelming peace that, that, uh, about what I was supposed to do. And whereas before I had been chasing this, my career and this profession for so long, that was an idol to me. I realized at a certain point that it really wasn't that all that important in the big picture. And God had a new role for me. He wanted me to be a father and, and mm. focus on that. And, and, uh, I, I said no to the Bengals and subsequently in the, in the weeks coming, I had offers from the Ravens and the, uh, all Miami division Dolphins. rivals. Yeah. So that it was, uh, it was tough to turn down those opportunities, but at the same time, I just told my agent, I'm just not interested. I, I, God's given me peace. I'm supposed to be in Pittsburgh and focus on fatherhood. Mm. And, uh, you know, from that time, that my daughter was five months old. I went from an NFL starter overnight to being a, a, a single dad half the time. Wow. I, I, I got 50% custody of my daughter, which has been really, it's been the most amazing blessing ever. Uh, just, I had six years with her before I, I met my wife and ended up getting married. So mm. it's just been blessing after blessing because of God's faithfulness to me through all of my crap and disobedience. And, you know, faithfulness to him in a sense that uh, regardless of, of when I've made poor decisions or strayed, um, still my heart has been for God. And, um, you know, my heart is, my heart and gaze is, is fixed on him. And, you know, now I've got a family and, and just feel rooted in, in, in who God is in my life. Mm. So for you, you retired on your own terms, you have division rivals reaching out to you and you're like, no, that's okay, I'm, I'm done. And so you step into this new role and time and time again, we've, we've talked to a few, few guys who have retired from the NFL. So for you, why was the game of football and what the world was throwing you at you not fulfilling? And what just continued just to step even deeper in your relationship with Christ right after you said no? Yeah. Um, you know, scripture tells us that the world is, is going to be unfulfilling and everything in it, uh, the realization that this is Satan has domain in this earth. And, 
you know, G Satan promised Jesus the world. He essentially told him that I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. And that that's what the world offers. And, and, and so it wasn't, it didn't matter what decision I made or what path I went down. Like I said, whether it was women or, or, uh, you know, partying or whatever you want to call it, whatever your sin is, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. I went down to the end of those paths and there was just nothing there. There was nothing sad. There's nothing, hmm. there's nothing truly satisfying. And so those things, they all lead to brokenness. And, and I experienced that. And, and what I realized was that what I was really longing for was, was God and, and his embrace, his loving embrace. And just, um, just knowing that he's going to provide for us what we need. He's going to provide uh, food and clothing, but what what we really need is 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 him. You know, we need we need a relationship with him. We need more of him. You know, we need our our faith to increase and just rest upon upon who he is because his portion is enough. Wow, that's, that's so good. Yeah, I, I think just the verse of he must become greater, I must become less. And I, I definitely see that in with you. So. Yeah, that's that's so good. I yeah that that verse is. That's that's basically right now. That's my life verse. I've got it background on my phone, and I just speak that into truth every morning. Because if I don't, man, then I just amplify myself, and I lose sight of who God is in my life. And we all know that that's just a recipe for disaster. And so, yeah, no, I, I love that. That's so good. So for you, what has God been showing you during this season that we're in? Um, whether it's this past year, which has been different for all of us, or, or maybe for you just over maybe the last, you know, four years as you got married four years ago. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like what's God been sort of teaching you through this, you know, the recent things happening in your life? Yeah. Um, man. So it's so easy to get caught up in this idea, even as Christians that our life is all about us and some people can even project that God exists to make our lives better and I, I don't necessarily believe that we're we're supposed to die to self and, and pick up our cross and fulfill his work here on earth we're supposed to be the hands and and feet of Christ so it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. Everything points back to him. And when scripture tells us to die to self, we have to really consider that, that, you know, we're spiritual beings in an earthly body and we're, we're fulfilling God's purposes. And there's so much joy in that. And, you know, God loves us so much. And it's just, it's just embracing that. But, but I look at, I look at, like you said, like in the last four years since I've been married, since I've been married. And so with all things, I think that our motive always has to be love as Christians. It doesn't matter what it looks, it doesn't matter what relationship you're in or, or what the context of what you're doing with your life is. Our, our relation or our motive always has to be love with what we're doing. And I look at, even since I got married, um, you know, I, I, I guess I believed on, on some level that, my wife's purpose was to uh, somehow make my life better or meet my needs. When the reality is, is that um, 
you know, I'm called to, to lift her up and present her blameless to the Lord, which it talks about in Ephesians 5. And so I guess the challenge is, you know, whether it's my wife or somebody else, not what are they doing to me or how is everybody impacting me, but saying, okay, God, what do you want to do through me to impact them? And so I have to keep that, that perspective that, um, you know, God is, God is at work in all things and, and it's all about him and lifting others up and, and, and it's really not about me. So just, uh, modeling after Christ, um, you know, how would, how would Jesus deal with the situation? And, and, uh, and so just considering other people first instead of ourselves, that's a, that's a huge deal. He's really been teaching me that a lot in marriage, that it's not about me. And, um, you know, with, with every relationship I have in my, wife, in, in my life, how am, I, how am I building into others? How am I building the things that Jesus has taught me and the truths that I know to be true? How am I living that out in the lives of other people? Wow. That's, that's so hard to do, isn't it? Like, yeah, just it is. Preach. Remind, oh, man. Because like in our human worldly minds, the only thing that we really know is who we are and what we want and what we think we need. And it's so hard to take, you know, step outside of that and say, you know, I'm going to think of, you know, my wife's or my daughter's or my friends or my family or whoever, I'm going to think of their needs first. That's, man, that's so challenging. So I, I love that that's the journey that you're still on and you recognize that, man, you still have, you know, ways to go and learning what it's like to do that. That's, that's so good. So Justin, as we close up here, do you have any closing thoughts, words of encouragement, anything like that for our listeners? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts. We could be here all day, but, uh, <laughs> but just knowing that, um, the, the, with what's going on in our society right now, as Christians, we have to recognize that there is a spiritual battle going on. This is not a, mm. this is not a battle of flesh versus flesh. There is a, I mean, I guess it is a battle of flesh versus flesh, but as Christians, we have to understand that there is a spiritual battle going on. And there are so many so many different larger problems in our society. Everybody has a different cause to which they are focused on or think that this is the biggest problem in our society or this is the biggest problem in our society as we see all of this division playing out. And really we're seeing the fruit of Satan being, being played out with, um, you know, violence and, and uh, you know, killing and, mm. and different ideologies and really, I believe uh, from, from a, a faith perspective, I, I believe that we have a, a, a systemic sin problem, in, not only in our country, but in our world. And mm. so as Christians, there should be something about us as Christians that should stand out as different, right? And, and people should be drawn to that. And I think this all, as Christians, we need to walk, to walk in obedience. And when we walk in obedience, you know, the, the fruit of God will be, uh, the fruit of God will be on display. People will be drawn to that. We, we should stand out and be different. And um, for me, just what's going on 
you know, probably in the last six months since the whole coronavirus thing started and the whole lockdowns thing started, it's really, I don't know about you guys, but being in quarantine for so long, we, we had several months there where it's just like, you know, we wake up in the morning and do devotions with our kids and they have online school and then we sit around and look at each other like, okay, what do we do now? You know, it's just this time of isolation, but yeah. it's been a huge blessing because it's really taken away all the distractions in my life and all the things that I was spending my time on. And, it, and it's really convicted me of, of what's really important. As we've seen so much division in our world, it's really convicted me of, of what's important. And God, God put a word on my heart, and that's discipleship. And uh, it's, it's something that he commands us to do. You know, we're, as Christians, we are to be obedient uh, to, to what God says and live that out. And, and so the word obedience was heavy on me. And I, and I had a chance this, I've had a chance this summer to, to disciple some younger people. And it's like, you know, let's, when we look at our world, how can we make a change? How can we make a difference in this world? And to me, everything starts in the hearts of men. When, when our hearts are, are not pure or they're not seeking the Lord, there's going to be deviant behavior being played out. We're going to be led astray if our hearts aren't right. So, um, so yeah, I've just been in the Word, uh, uh, working at discipleship, just being there for, for young people. And I just had a few verses I wanted to, to share with you guys on this topic. One is... Uh, Luke 640, it says a disciple is not greater than his teacher, but when everybody is, when everyone is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Mm. So, mm. so training is so important. So training others. And 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And you know, I just look at my life like I'm a conduit for God, uh, even, even in my fallen state. Uh, it's just, it's interesting to me how God uses fallen people to spread his message. And it's so easy to point at somebody and be like, they're not a Christian or look at them and they're this and they're that. But it's, um, God's been opening my eyes to, as I've been serving others and, and engaging in, in, in my community, I've been seeing the work of the body of Christ. And as Christians, we, we are the body of Christ, you know, and, it, and it's this great mystery that's talked about how as the body of Christ, we work together. And so where someone might have a strength, it might be another person's weakness. It's, it's like this last year, I'm digging into Bible study with these guys and, and we all have this assignment to read a, a certain verse and, and certain passage in scripture and we get together and all four of us have four completely different takes on the verse. And it's like, Nobody is less, nobody is any more or less valid than the next guy, but we get a deeper understanding of what the scripture says um, by hearing what God is doing in other people's hearts. So, uh, so the other thing, the other thing that has been on my heart is, is the unity of the body, the unity of the body of Christ and, and how we all work together. And, and it, it's an amazing thing. And I guess I just want to encourage people to, to really dig into scripture um uh, reference um uh, uh reference hebrews um 412 for that but dig into the scripture 
and uh, be obedient to God's word and gather with other gather with other believers and just see what God does with that. Gather with other believers, um, pray and get in the word together and see what he does and and encourage each other and, and strengthen each other's resolve because this world is crumbling around us. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of time. And I guess uh, Jesus says, wake up, be on alert. You know, he's, he's coming back. And uh, so we, sh- we should be prepared for that. We should be as children of God living in light of the eternal and, and not the, the, the temporal. Mm, absolutely. And so for you too, I, I'd love to know just a little, what is like during the season, what has been something like, what is a little of your routine look like daily in the word? And I love just hearing that just maybe from somebody like you, everyone spends their time with the Lord a little differently. So for you, what does that look like for you to just really go deeper? Yeah, for me, it's been really important to have accountability with other guys. Mm. I was always very good at uh, being coached and somebody telling me what to do. And it was like this whole new world when football was done and I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. So I think we, everybody struggles with self-discipline, right? Yeah. You know, scripture tells us to, to be disciplined Mm, and and it's, it's challenging, but I had a friend that told me recently that it takes 66 days. This is the science, I guess it takes 66 days to create a new habit. Mm. So my buddy said, you know what? I made a plan for 66 days. I'm, I'm going to you know, do this devotion or whatever. But most days I wake up, I'm in the word. I, I have accountability and fellowship with other guys. I've been doing like online plans. And That's cool. so we can talk and communicate over our, our Holy Bible app. And so we do scripture plans. So holding each other accountable is really good. Um, just being engaged with other believers, you know, so I I just think it's really important to wake up, get in the word, set your alarm a half hour earlier, get in the word. And we're supposed to meditate on those things. Hmm. Scripture tells us to write, to write scripture on our hearts, to meditate on those things. So as we go about our daily lives, as we go about our business, that's, that's, that's what we should be thinking about all day. That, that verse or that passage that we read, no matter what we're doing with our time, our heart should always be dwelling on, on what we're reading in scripture. So like, you know, if I don't get that, that spiritual meat in the morning, um, and I don't get it and I don't get it the next day, I start to feel like, you know, wait a minute, I'm, I'm missing my mission and my purpose right now. Mm. I don't feel as encouraged. So for me, it's just trying to be consistent with my walk with the Lord, make sure I'm prayed up every day and just being mindful of his presence all day long, mm. you know, wow. asking my, asking, uh, asking myself, okay, what would God have me do in this situation? What would he have me say to this person right now? So, you know, the spirit leads those things, but it's so important as Christian men, especially to be very intentional about our lives. Mm, wow, that, that's that's so good and that's so powerful, and I think that really speaks a lot to what we're called to do as Christians, as believers, is to you know pray continuously. And you mentioned it there; it's you know in every moment, in every situation, if we are rooted in Christ in Scripture, if we have written that on our hearts, 
and have been self-disciplined in that way, then when situations come, we can ask God and say, all right, what would you have me do here? Mm-hmm. And that right there, man, that's prayer. That's communication. That's asking, listening, seeking that wisdom from God. And that's, man, that's so good. And if we can have that posture every day or even most days, man, that's, that's really what we're looking after. So that, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing today, Justin. Um, mm-hmm. Noah, you got one more thing? Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I, I've gotten to know your in-laws pretty well. Uh, and I yeah. know they absolutely love you. I went to school with your nephew, James. Yeah. So I, I'm, it's just so cool just to talk with you and just hear your heart because I know that they love you and then they brought you in and they just really appreciate you. And it's really cool to see how you're discipling and, and just loving others. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really, it's been really cool. Like, you know, God, God's, uh, Lord, forgive me. I don't remember the verse, but God, God tells me that, um, you know, if we, if we seek after him, he will heal my land. Heal my land is something that has stuck with me for a long time, but God's been healing my land. He's given me family. It's always been a longing in my heart to have family and to marry into a family that is like people who love the Lord and, and I like them. That's weird. I really like them. <laughs> and you like them. <laughs> so God's been healing my land and he's been really faithful and, uh, shout out to James Gardner and, uh, man, yeah, it's God's been bearing fruit and he's, mm. he's put the right people around me. So very thankful. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you for joining us today, Justin. Yeah, guys, it's been a pleasure. I, I appreciate you having me on. appreciate your, uh, your ministry. And, uh, I just pray that God would, would bless you guys greatly as, as you guys walk in obedience. Wow. That was awesome. Talking to Justin today. Um, so good being with him. Noah, what were, what were some of your thoughts and reflection points on that? There was a lot of content there. A there lot of was. Things. Yeah. Um, I love that. That was such a great conversation. Uh, I think I just love how we started out and just talking about just a little of his Super Bowl days. I mm-hmm. think that was one of the, the greatest Super Bowls, at least in our lifetime that we can remember. That watching. we can remember. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Even though you're Broncos fan and they won Super Bowl 50 but that wasn't a That's great true. Super Bowl to watch yeah well from for my most people for most but from my perspective it was a, it was a great Super I'm sure. Bowl like, I, I, no offense but I, it was a little it was a little boring gameplay <laughs> that's fair but I, there was a couple exciting moments strip yeah. sack all that stuff it was exciting but that Super Bowl was loaded James Harrison you know going back and then mm-hmm. that San Antonio Holmes toe tap catch yeah. I will never ever forget well and you said it Kurt Warner Larry Fitzgerald like legends in that dynamic. game Dynamic, yeah. dynamic duo. So yeah, that I just loved how that started. And I, man, Justin, you have such a powerful testimony. And for our listeners, I think it's just a reminder that you don't know how God is going to use your story. Hmm. For him, he has a daughter out of wedlock, and he's just in this, just in a tough spot. And a pastor just comes out, reaches out to him, and yeah. just completely changes changed his life. And now he's in an amazing family. Shout out to the Gardner family. I, you guys are amazing, and I'm so glad that you've brought Justin into your family. Um, and it's just so cool that he's discipling others, and just the love of Christ that he has is, is so amazing. And, mm. and you can just tell he's discipling others, and he was just talking about how even when he was a player, it's, it's not enough. Christ is enough. Mm. And I love that. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah, man, I, along with you, I loved, you know, just hearing about his time as an NFL athlete and what that meant to him and, Mm. and not, you know, not his time as an NFL athlete, but really, 
okay, that was sort of who he was until that time. He had a, you know, long career, successful career in the NFL, and that's who he was. But then, boom, God wrecked his life, you know, and just said, like, you know, he, he really, God called him home. And Justin was in a place in life where he had ears to hear and ears to listen. Mm. And he said yes. And, like, that's so encouraging and powerful to know that yeah Justin said yes to that and he came home and now he's you know living more in line with the heart of God's will for him than maybe he was before and was it challenging yes God doesn't say it'll be easy but one of the things that I love one of the verses he just said here in some of the closing bit was Hebrews 4:12, and in that it says for the word of God is alive and active mm. and I loved when he was talking about how he was you know he's engaging in fellowship and spiritual disciplines with fellow believers with other guys he said he has like there's a group of four of them that have been you know maybe doing bible plans and the Bible app, talking about different things, said they all looked at a verse and they all had a different perspective of how that verse maybe applied to them or was impactful for them. And I just love that because that really does speak truth into the fact that the word of God is alive and active of Mm -hmm. like these words may be 2000 years old, but they are just as alive and active today in our lives as they were 2000 years ago when they were being written Mm. of, you know, the Bible is always holds true. And that's why, you know, like being active in that is like God speaks through those words. And, you know, we, we've talked about it before in the podcast, but just people are always trying to hear from God what that's like. And right now, Watermark Wesleyan Church, they just finished up the series, Hearing God's Voice, mm. a sermon series. And if you guys want to listen to that, you can check out Watermark Wesleyan Church, their Sunday sermons on a podcast as well. Um, but one of the things that I took away from that series was the fact that God has already spoken to us through his word. And so sometimes hearing God's voice is through scripture. Right. It's through what he has already spoken to us. Now he can speak to us through prayer and through other people in our life too. Like there are times where, you know, I talk to you, Noah, and as iron sharpens iron, we can sharpen each other. And it's like, God can speak through you to me or can speak through Justin to me. The first place I believe we should always turn is scripture because God has already spoken those words. And so just the, the, the fact that God's word is alive and active, man, that just, that hit me and was just such a reminder to me that, yeah, I may have, I may have, you know, read Matthew X amount of times and have heard the story of Jesus, Mm. but hearing it again, reading it again holds so much power too. And Mm. you can always glean new wisdom from that. Um, so that was something that I really enjoyed and just seeing how he's being active in his faith and actively seeking Christ and doing that. It's just, it was just so cool. So Mm. yeah, it was really awesome conversation with Justin. And one more thing that I have just coming from you, Justin, and just for our listeners, maybe a challenge for you. He's talking about in 66 days, you can start a new habit Mm. and maybe for you, what is that new habit you need to start? Maybe it's getting in to the word. Mm. What is going to be your motivation to find those 66 days? And and that's a challenge for myself. It's it's a very tough one. Yeah. So Noah, let's ask you now. Oh, here we go. 66 days. What's a new habit that you would like to develop? And then when you answer, I'll have time to think and then I'll answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, 
I'm journaling more and more, but I think journaling every day. Every day. Not just every week, but every day. Every and morning? Every morning. Every morning. Every morning. This is specific. I'm yeah. getting called out on my own there podcast. You go. I'm calling. So. Hey, we can hold each other accountable. All right. I'll see you most days at work. Yeah, that's true. Recordings. I'll ask you. What about you, Bjorn? What is for me? It is reading scripture every day. Mm. That is that is something that you know seems sort of cliche to say, like, oh yeah, I want to read the Bible every day. Sure. But man, when I do that, my life changes. Mm. My days change, and just getting in scripture and not not just reading it to read it, but like. Sitting down with myself and reading scripture. Hmm. Now, that's sort of the the goal of this habit I want to set. Now, one of the steps that I'm taking that actually started last night because my housemate, the guy I live with, Andrew Sherman, shout out Andrew, um, (laughs) that he convicted me with is he was going upstairs and I was finishing up some homework and... He was like, hey, I'm plugging my phone in down here, leaving my charger down here just because I don't like to, you know, the first thing I do every morning is I just like scroll through social media and everything. And he was reading a book that convicted him about the way you start your day really impacts the rest of the day. And I was like, shoot, maybe I should just leave my phone downstairs. And so last night I left my phone downstairs and one, I think I fell asleep quicker than I normally do when I'm, because normally I scroll through like, oh, let me check the scores of the, you know, basketball games from that day sure. or, or whatever, check social media, whatever. And not that that's a bad thing, but it's just, that's one step that doing that, leaving my phone downstairs mm. will make sure that the first thing I do every day can be get in scripture mm. and just, you know, waking up when my alarm goes off and get in scripture, that's start good. with prayer. So that's, that's mine. 66 days. Days. We'll come back in six six days and we'll see how we're doing. We'll see how we did. Yeah. Well, thank you, Justin. You're already creating new challenges for us, even on there our own go. podcast. So thank you, Justin, for a great conversation. So good. And next week, everybody, we are recording with Mike Weston. He's the chaplain of the Rochester Amherst and Red Wings. They're the affiliate teams of the Buffalo Sabres and the Minnesota Twins. Here's an excerpt. Yeah, I think... Um... I feel like God is challenging me like he's challenging so many others right now. It, mm. it seems um, that as Americans, we're caught up in this allure of speed, size, and power. You know, those are all things that make for a physically imposing athlete, but are enemies of our soul. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and if you want to connect with us and see what God is doing through other of our ministries and never miss an episode, you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports and on Twitter at Sweatroom Pod. Just remember, until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 